what we do here is go back, 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 back. Yeah, good mate. Thanks for having me. Who went the hardest in the, the celebrations? I can't say myself, can I? Uh, <laughs> you sort of almost got to tell yourself that you're a, you're a big game player or a mm. big finals player. So somehow I thought, well, just because I play well as a 13-year-old, I have to play well in the grand final. <laughs> me, and, me and Cogs are um, a couple of good WA boys and we, we do get a bit affectionate with each other, always giving each other kisses and stuff. <laughs> nah, not really, just, you know, a manly kiss yeah. on the cheek every now and then. Welcome back to the Brian Ethan podcast. Even though Bray isn't here, he's been caught up at work. So it's just myself, Ethan Roth, today. But nevertheless, another big episode with another guest. Uh, he's also been caught into work too, but we've still managed to get him on the phone. Pick 77 in the 2013 AFL draft. 15 games for Collingwood from 2014 up until 2016. He then retired and came back home, represented WA before playing a further 11 games at St Kilda from 2019 until last year. Jonathan Marsh. Jono, thanks so much for your time. How are you? Good, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's been great to get in contact with you. But just before we get into your journey, your brother obviously played for the Sydney Swans um, and is at Subiaco these days. He's an ex-guest of the show back in 2019 uh, and he played 25 AFL games and you've played 26. Do you get ever get stuck into him about that? <laughs> uh, thanks for bringing that up. Yes, uh, I did. I did when I first ticked over the 26 games when I got that last game and that final against Richmond I let him know uh, I said mate I'm playing against Richmond in the final and he kind of just texted back on you're an ass because he was flat that we had 25 games to pop so every now and then if he pipes up for me yeah I've got at least I've got the wood over him that I'm the best AFL footballer in the family so that's, that's good for me yeah exactly right and anyone that knows his story would know that you grew up in the Augusta Margaret River area. Um, what was life like down there in terms of footy and everything else as a kid? And when was it you first went down to East Frio? Uh, yeah, growing up in Margs was just brilliant. Oh, honestly, the the small country town vibe really suited like my family and then my brother and I especially. And, and you know, we've got an older sister as well that was playing sport down there. But uh, football was pretty big. There's not a whole lot else to do down in Margs unless, you know, you're surfing or, or you're playing sports. So my brother and I couldn't surf to save our lives. So it was we turned to footy and basketball. So we, yeah, we played so much footy growing up. And, you know, you'd double up, you'd play Saturday for your under-16s team or something, and then you'd play Sunday in the, in the Margaret River Colts as well. So it was, it was literally just football um, for us down there. And we, we, yeah, we loved it. We loved Margaret River's a great place. And then when it was time to... To pursue football a bit more, like we, we were actually in the East Perth catchment area as a junior. Yeah. Um. So I played like a 14s and 15s carnival for East Perth, and then because my granddad plays East Fremantle, there's a grandfather grandson rule. So we managed to get across to East Fremantle, and then yeah, we both played one year Colts and then got drafted. So that's all that my brothers played for East Fremantle, and then obviously yeah, um, this is my second stint back there as well. But um, yeah, certainly growing up in a country town was was brilliant for us, I reckon. Yeah, okay, and you had a really good draft combine um, and were a bolter in the draft after impressing um, under-18s championships in WA. How confident were you on draft day and how surreal was it to be selected by the Pies and was it an easy transition moving to Victoria? Yeah, so I had... It was hard because for some reason um, a couple of the newspapers in Western Australia, they do their own phantom drafts and, just, and I don't know why, but I was... I think I was always like a top 40 pick in those fancy yeah. drafts. So I kind of went into that draft feeling quite confident. I did not have a good... I, I can't 
can't stress this enough. My Colts here in my under 18s state games were not that good. I had one good game in the state game. Um, so it, that was a bit tough, not having great form behind me, and then also kind of seeing that um, in the papers that it, it, it's hard to ignore when someone's telling you you're going top 40 or whatever it was. So I kind of went into the draft feeling pretty good about where I was at. And then, honestly, I so I went, yeah, the last pick, pick 77. But the picks before that, 10 of the picks before that were elevated rookies. And everyone kind of knows that as soon as they elevate rookies, the draft's done. Yeah, yeah. So I was crushed, man. Like, it, it, it's a long time to get to pick 77. And um, mm. when they start elevating rookies, I thought I was done. I thought there's no chance of getting drafted. Uh, and then, yeah, obviously, there was a big surprise at the end. I went to Collingwood, and it was it was good. It, I really enjoyed um, the first part of, obviously, living in Melbourne. And transition early on was easy. I, I lived with Tyson Goldsack, and he made that pretty seamless for me, which was lovely. However, yeah, I, obviously, when um, the mental health and stuff started to deteriorate, and I felt like I needed to probably be back home, that's when I started to struggle being in Melbourne. Mm. Um, but yeah, since then, you know, since moving back and then to Perth and then having two years here and then moving back to Melbourne, I'm, I'm pretty, I actually love Melbourne a lot. It's just that because I've got such good, um, you know, you know, all my family ties are here and I've got such a good support system and my best friends are here. Uh, it's always probably going to be me living in Perth, um, as much as, you know, I do enjoy Melbourne. Yeah. And on that draft night, I think that was when the draft was all in one night. So it would have made it probably even longer. Yes, yeah, that was yeah. So they didn't break it up. I think they had like the rookie draft was a bit later. I think so. It might have been like yeah. a week or two later. But yeah, so that that draft was just long, man. It, was, it took ages. So they they obviously slow it down for the the top twenty, and they go through an interview with all the blokes and stuff, and then have a bit of an intermission, and then you know, the, and then pretty much from pick fifty onwards, it, it starts getting fast paced, and they try and get through it. So. Mm. I think from peak 55 onwards, I, I wasn't paying attention. I just I was pretty convinced I wasn't going to go um, because they everyone said in the R draft as soon as it gets to about peak 50, peak 60, that's it because it wasn't a deep the deepest draft. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I stopped paying attention, but you know, obviously, yeah, it, it worked out in my favour. Yeah, and there was some pretty good names as well. But you made your debut in uh, round 19 of 2015 against Carlton in front of a big crowd at the MCG after spending some time in the VFL. What was it like to knuckle your position um, in the halfback? Because uh, I think you went on to play the remaining games that season. Yeah, that was fun. That was that was so fun. Um, yeah, playing against Carlton, obviously Collingwood Carlton's got some good rivalries, and like you're saying, there were so many people there. It was that was just such a cool experience. That unfortunately Collingwood wasn't going to make finals, so there was wasn't a whole lot of pressure in regarding my performance. It was pretty much. Uh, I think the club wanted to blood a couple of youngsters in that in that second, well, the last part of the season and kind of see how we went. So I, I actually liked that. I just got to go in there and just have a crack. And um, we actually managed to win uh, that game against Carlton. So it was good just to come in and have a win. And especially they were kind of struggling at the time. We weren't going well, but we were kind of supposed to win. So mm. we managed to win by uh, 10 or 20 points. But yeah, it was just such a good experience having a massive crowd when there was probably not a whole lot of stakes on the line in regards to finals for both teams. But just because, you know, the Carlton Collingwood faithful, it's just they're all maniacs and they all love it. And, and that's, you know, that's what fans of the footy are for. But yeah, it was, it was such a good experience. Yeah, and I've seen you in many, like, some footage and some photos. Uh, you love to wear the long sleeve uh, at the pies. Were there any particular reasons for wearing the long sleeves? Um, no, I just, I've never, ever grown up wearing a long sleeve. And then 
it seriously came about as a bit of a necessity in the VFL. It's just freezing. You know, I'm a WA yeah. kid. As much as Margaret River's quite cold, it, Melbourne and Victoria's just another level. And in VFL, you, you kind of play, you know, an hour out, you know, in Geelong and, and in Ballarat, and it's just freezing. So I think it was one game where it was just, I couldn't believe how cold it was. I thought stuff, and I'm just going to wear a long sleeve and see how this goes. And I played really well on it. And then <laughs> after that, I just, yeah, kind of adopted it as my little look. So as much as, you know, the weather's not as bad in WA as soon as it ticks over uh, under 18 degrees I've, I've got the long sleeve on and you know ra- rain hail or shine I, I do love the look yeah but it honestly it started as I just couldn't believe how mm. freezing it was down in Ballarat I think it was one day and I just thought stuff that I'm, I'm chucking it on yeah and the Collingwood long sleeves looks good as well because it has like the stripes they are, so, they, yeah. yeah the Collingwood Geelong um and someone else have oh I think Hawthorne have like that kind of same stripy yeah. long sleeve looks but then obviously not allowed to wear them right now but mm. yeah I, I loved it I reckon the Collingwood one especially I think is such an iconic long sleeve look it was awesome yeah absolutely um you've been pretty open with some of the challenges you've had to face uh particularly at the Pies which led to the retirement in 2016 at just the age of 21 uh which might shock a few people when did these issues start to occur and were you ever close to signing with either of the WA teams after requesting a trade back here? Uh, yeah, so I think from my personal journey, I think there was a, you could probably tra- trace back some mental health stuff from much further back than when I was in the AFL. However, it really reared its head my second year at Collingwood. Um, so that that was a bit of a, yeah, a task. And then it was a bit of that kind of two weeks was a bit of a shit show on my end to be honest, because I I thought I yeah I knew I needed to get back to WA, and I thought that playing AFL in WA would be the best option. And then after I kind of requested the trade, and I seriously came nowhere near signing with any of the teams because they didn't have any interest in me. Um, and that's why it kind of hit home for me. I was like, well, am I doing this to move home and play AFL? Am I doing this just to move home? And that's kind of when I made the decision. Of, I'm pretty confident I was just trying to get home. So I thought, well, AFL at the time and it it wasn't that important to me over you know my mental health so I thought I'm just going to retire at 21 and yeah it was a it was a good decision for where I needed to be and where I needed to do and go with my life yeah and you've certainly gone through a lot like you just said and you're still just 25 um so yeah hopefully some people can listen to this but how did you get through those dark moments did you even like talk to your brother who was in the system by this point um and yeah what made you push through um yeah, so obviously I'd, I'd let the people close to me know that I was struggling and then they've... So at Collingwood, I'm, I'm still really close with the, the Collingwood head trainer and, and he's a fantastic... He was a fantastic person to lean on and a great resource. So he put me in contact with a lot of good, you know, um, a, a really good sports psych. And so I started taking some initiative on, on myself that it wasn't good enough just to be sitting and suffering in silence. So... You know, I did plenty of work, you know, sometimes two sessions a week and just trying to um, adopt some positive lifestyle strategies like, you know, meditation and um, great, like, mindfulness and um, gratitude kind of stuff. And it honestly, like, as soon as you start adopting that into your everyday life, it, it really rewires your brain into a more positive way of living and, and it takes time and it's, and it's bloody hard work. However, that that's the, the avenue I went down and then so when I... I started doing all that with a you know a clinical psychologist, and then I decided to retire. But I and I felt so good when I retired, mm. but then I continued to do that work when I came back to Perth because I just didn't think that was enough to retire and then just cut all this 
positive um, training, mind training out. So I, I continued that for another good six to eight months, I think, when I was back in Perth until I saw a psych that said to me, you don't need to come in anymore. And that was kind of a real, because it was about a two-year journey. And that was such a real positive day for me. It was and quite an emotional day. It was just such a, a good thing to hear from you know, someone in that field. Yeah, but that's pretty much the steps I took to yeah to figuring that stuff out. Yeah, nice. And um, must much have been spoken about the culture at the Pies. What was your relationship with uh Bucks like? And do you think he will be there next year? Because there's a lot of talk about it at the moment, as I'm sure you'd know. Uh, I to be honest, I don't I don't follow football um much at all. So I have I keep my nose out of it. I I had a good relationship with Bucks. Bucks was a good bloke. Um, I think. I think my level of enjoyment certainly impacted, you know, my relationships with that club. Um, and this is not just on Nathan or with Nathan. Um, I had a lot of people that I think that I should have been closer with, but because of how I was going, that I, I had a bit of a barrier there from myself personally um, to, you know, kind of let people in. But yeah, he was he was always fun with me. We always had really good chats, and I was always more than welcome to sit in his office. So mm. if I had anything to say, I'd, I'd say that you know. I know that the the players love him, and yeah. Uh, apart from that, it's not really my place to speculate on his future, unfortunately, because I had nothing but good stuff to say about him, and uh, there's not much else for me to add to it. Yeah. Um. So you came back to East Freo, played some good footy, but when was it that you thought AFL was worth another go? Um. Was it after you bombed one, I think, from 70 meters in the waffle? And uh, talk me through how signing with Richmond VFL came about, and then uh, St Kilda as a supplementary pick. Yeah, so um, I retired and then I decided to sign with Eastern Randall just because I knew that I, I wasn't really keen on playing Waffle, to be honest, or any form of football, but I kind of knew that A, I can get paid for it, B, at some point that some form of love would come back for footy. So I signed, and I think it was about just over the halfway point of that season, I wasn't really having fun, and then all of a sudden, even though we were losing, I started really enjoying it again, and, and that was such a good thing for me to go through but I I didn't want to put my name in for the draft that year because I thought that's not a, a significant amount of time for me to change my mind on wanting to play AFL so I gave myself another year I played uh, I moved position so I was inside mid and I moved down to being a full back and I, I loved that second year at Eastman and once again we weren't winning many games but I was playing pretty well and, and that's when I thought yeah this is a consistent enough motivation for me to want to play so I put my name in the draft. Nothing happened. I had no clubs talk to me or anything. I tried to generate some some interest through you know myself and my manager. Um, nothing came about. And then I was dating this girl at the time who wanted to move to Melbourne. And so I just decided that you know I was I was going to go with her. And I saw that as an opportunity to go and reconnect with a coach that I had previously um, played under at Collingwood, and he was the head coach at Richmond VFL. So I just kind of zeroed in on signing with them. I managed to sign with them. And I trained with them for two months, and seriously, that I was so looking forward to playing VFL for them. It was it was going to be fun. They, they the Richmond VFL and the AFL program, and still is just it was brilliant how they interacted with their players, and there was so much chemistry between the AFL and VFL. You you kind of felt like an AFL player, even though you were on the VFL list. Mm, and then, yeah, um, all of a sudden, honestly, I'd, I'd never talked to St Kilda, and then they kind of came out of the blue because they had just I think over the course of a couple of months I had so many of their key defenders go down and then also Nathan Brown was suspended for round one and they just thought they had that if there was any gaps in their list that was it that was where they needed to probably improve or have some depth and then they just kind of came out of the woodwork and, and signed me up a week before round one which was it was very 
quick and unexpected, but yeah, it was, it was awesome to you know get back on a list in, in such a, a weird way. Yeah, you turned yourself into a defensive forward at the Saints. How different was it to be in a, a new elite AFL environment, and how did you adjust to um, this change uh, in roles as you kicked a goal in your first game? Yeah, it was it was different. I, I, I still think, and I'm playing forward now at Eastmanor. I still think my best position, if I had to pick any, would be a fullback. But it just seems that uh, there was a necessity at Eastmanor currently, and there was a necessity at, at St Kilda to have you know forward depth or or being a forward. So it was hard. It's hard to to play as a forward. I feel I, I think that swingmen that can do it properly, um, they're just a different breed of player. However, it was. I had so many honest chats with the coaches at St. Kilda about how to go about my role. And they literally just said, just try and add your, you know, your own little flair to it. And, and you know, I'm, I'm quicker than bigger blokes. So like you're saying, I, I could put some good defensive pressure on and that kind of helped me get, you know, a couple of games in. So but I, I do enjoy playing forward. I, kicking goals is quite fun. Um, but yeah, it, that was tough going from being a full back to a full forward. But, you know, you just, anywhere that the, team or coach needs you to play you're you're a footballer at the end of the day you just got to grin and bear it and, and say yep that that's me you know at Eastern Manor someone might go down and I might have to play the second half of the season as a key back I, I don't know but that's just you know that's the hurdles and the the roller coaster ride of playing football yeah absolutely and you had a strong start to 2020 in what in what was a good year for the Saints uh you played in that losing semi-final did you sense the delisting was coming I'm uh, sorry to bring it up but um in, you know, what was the uh, probably the weirdest year um, the AFL will ever witness? Uh, no, I didn't sense the delisting coming purely because I, you know, in all honesty, I got promised a contract, and a lot of I know a lot of players have had the same experience. Certainly, at the end of this year, with you know the corona and the, the salary caps and all that crap. But um, that's the only problems I kind of had with leaving the AFL is that I was sat down and, and told by some people at, at the club that I was safe. Uh, and you kind of just believe them. That you don't want to sit there and think they're lying. However, I got back for Don, um, and then delisted. So that was just probably the bitter pill to swallow. I was like, because at the end of the day, if you delist me, you delist me. That's that doesn't phase me as much as getting lied to and then delisted kind of thing, or not lied to, but you know, mm, like yeah. I'm saying, a bit of a backflip. So that was that was probably the frustrating thing. I didn't see it coming. Um, however, I am not the biggest. I don't. I'm not completely in love with the AFL system and stuff so I was I'm also kind of happy to be you know working full-time and playing waffling and just enjoying myself so as much as I would have taken a contract it was and now that I'm out of the system it's kind of such a relief not being part of that mm. and that I'm 25 and there's such a good chance that an AFL team is not going to pick me up again I can just really enjoy football and enjoy the the kind of laid-back aspect of playing waffle you know I get to finish the game and you know home games I go into the club room and have a beer with all my friends and stuff and that's something that you don't get at AFL level and it's a special type of um, experience coming from the AFL so I've really enjoyed it. Yeah that's the most important thing but I believe you trained with Carlton um, but once you were headed back to the Waffle for a second time was there any temptation to jump on the Subi bandwagon or was it uh, always East Freo and um, it's been a solid uh, start for the Sharks so far so you know, you've got a lot of talent, but you must be looking forward to continuing that tomorrow against the Demons. Yeah, absolutely. I think I did have some preliminary discussions with a couple of clubs, but my my goal was to always get back to Eastman. I think the biggest factor for me was that I put in those two years beforehand and and I wasn't a massive driving factor between a culture shift, but I, I did 
do some work towards it those two years, and I really wanted to see how that had manifested in the two years that I wasn't there. So I think the club's come such a long way from when, A, I was there, but they've done such a mountain of work when I was gone. Um, and so I just really want to be a part of that. And I think having a bit of a family tie with my granddad play at East Romano, that that makes it special to me, whereas there's nothing else, there's no special thing in any other Waffle team apart from my brother playing for Sue. So hopefully at some point we get the, the you know the opportunity to play together, I'll, I'll work my ass off to try and get him across to East Romano. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, I'll see how that goes. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And, you know, I'd rather... I live, I live seriously three streets back from Eastman. I love it, you know. Go to the club, and I've, I've played there since Colts. So just, I just can't see myself playing there else. So I, I couldn't really. So um, it's been good. I, I started the season; it's been really good. I think we've had just, you know, we've played three games, and we've probably haven't rocked up to two quarters of it, where we were pumping each person, and we took the foot off the brake, and then that second quarter against Peel, we were. Um, we dropped off, and then, yeah, our fourth quarter against Subi, so it's so three quarters. But our performances have been very positive. It's just maintaining the rage pretty much for four quarters. But I, I love the fact that people are getting excited about Eastern Randall again. I think it's really good for you know the community around Eastern Randall. It's been a pretty stark couple of years of, of us not performing. So I think it's it can only be a good thing that we're going well. And we had coffee the other day after recovery, and some bloke pulled us aside and was just... He was nearly borderline on tears because we'd... We'd won that Peel game round one. We hadn't won uh, round one in a very long time, yeah. and that was just pretty cool for the. I think mostly for the young boys to see that you know how much the Eastern community really adores the club. So it's been it's been brilliant. I've been I'm loving it so far. Yeah, and how did obviously the COVID situation this week? It was only one day out from the Anzac round and the waffle last week. How did that affect you? Especially you know probably twenty less than twenty four hours before you were going to play. Yeah, that was that was so interesting because. Yeah, like you're saying, I got home from work and I was prepping to play. And then my mate had come around because we usually, he plays ammo. So we, he usually comes around, we cook dinner together and just watch some footy. Um, and he just came around and said, I think we're going into lockdown. It was, if there was ever a game to miss, it was probably the Joondalup game because we were both the next day playing up in Joondalup. He was playing ammos up there as well. So yeah. it wasn't too bad. But, you know, we, we got a sent out a running program, two, two days of running to do on a Saturday and a and a sun, on a Monday, sorry, and we kind of messaged amongst ourselves in the club, just let's just take this as an opportunity to recover really well and hit the ground running against Perth. So we've just tried to, as much as it was annoying, like I love playing football on a Saturday. It's such a nice feeling going back and playing waffle. So as much as it wasn't good having that feeling on their weekend, it, it you may as well try and put a positive spin on it and say, you know, I think if anyone's got any niggles, um, get, them, get them sorted, get them right, do your running program and just freshen up. And I think, you know, we, we've done that really well and we trained really well this week. And I, I think we're always excited to get back out there. Yeah, definitely. And um, last footy, serious footy question for me anyway. Um, there's a state game coming up. Uh, are you looking to get involved in that? Absolutely. Uh, I've Yeah, I've played representative WA for those like mature state games twice and they've seriously been some of the best quality football I've played in. Um, the blokes... And also, like, developing some relationships with the blokes from other teams has been awesome in that regard. However, I, I'm also aware that I haven't played the best uh, as a forward yet. I've been spraying some kicks, so it would have been nice if I had a bag under my belt um, to really lock my name in for a position. However, yeah, if I'd managed to get picked forward or, or if the game goes ahead, then, yeah, I'd love it. But uh, if not, that you know, that, that's part of football and 
there's some quality forwards kicking bags in the waffle currently, so it's pretty hard to to try and keep up with them. But that's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll see how we go. Yeah, fingers crossed. And as we know, footy can uh, footy clubs can be great environments. Uh, who were all your best mates, uh, funniest mates from uh, the two AFL clubs? Uh, and there any good stories that stick out? And even better, uh, any funny sprays you can think of? Um, oh, I've actually dodged so many sprays, which has been brilliant. Um, my best mate from Saints was Nick Hind, and yeah, he's a he's a funny little bastard. So we got along really well. We we I got to the club, and we turned out that we were living really close together without knowing it. So we used to just carpool into each other. Um, but yeah, probably all our stories are a bit too PG for chucking on a podcast. But uh, we, we keep. We keep in constant communication, and he, you know he's at Essendon now, dominating as well. So we we each other at least twice a week and just catch up. So but apart from that, I haven't really seen any sprays to be honest. And um, my story is I'm not the most social bloke running around. So usually, especially at Collingwood and St Kilda on the weekends, I'd perch up on the couch and fall asleep watching TV. So I don't really have any of that. Yeah, there you go. Um... But we're about to get into some fan questions. But just before we do, we know you're on your own uh, Instagram, I saw it says you're a professional joke. Can you expand on that? Because we have got a f- uh, few light-hearted Q and As. <laughs> oh no! Just re- <laughs> recently, some things haven't gone my way, uh, especially in the love life area. So I thought, <laughs> you know what, I'm going to take the piss out of it a little bit. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think. That's a bit of a light-hearted way for me. I usually take the piss out of myself more than anyone else, so that's um, probably need to change that now that people are starting to notice that that's, <laughs> that's where we're going with it, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, we'll go to the Q&As now. First one from a former guest and teammate of yours, uh, Blaine Bokhorst wants to know, when are you uh, shaving your hair? Or I'm not sure if he's talking about beard or, or the haircut. <laughs> yeah, soon. <laughs> I'm holding on to my hairline, so unfortunately the boys are catching up with the fact that I'm 25 and going bold which is awesome um so that's good from blaine and i'll shave my head when blaine gets in the gym and actually does a workout with me because he's a skinny little prick so i'll i'll uh, thank him for that one that's awesome yeah i'm not sure if he's the one to talk about haircuts because he had the bleached hair last year i think he's uh, off that yeah um, at least he's got some hair to bleach but yeah some of his kits and the shit he wears out on a night out you know and his the, the glasses that aren't prescription he just wears them and things like that that's not really my cup of tea, but you know that's that's Blaine, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh this one comes from Geordie Pluto. Uh did you ever think you were going to get given another opportunity at AFL level after the Collingwood uh, stint? Uh yeah, I was always confident. However, yeah, when I so that second season at Eastern Randall, I came second in the BNF, and I thought I was playing some good footy, and I was what twenty three, I think. I thought if there was ever a time for a club to take a mature age, that would have been it. However. Having no clubs, like literally no clubs, talk to me up until St Kilda draft me a week before round one was a bit of a or that eye opener that maybe it's going to be harder to get in than I thought. I was thinking that if there was ever an opportunity to get back into the AFL, it would have been maybe through Richmond playing VFL. I was hoping that if I did enough to impress them while being at their club. That might have been another avenue. However, you know, um, I'm, I'm just thankful and lucky that St Kilda just came out of nowhere to, to snap me up. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from St Kilda underscore in, insider. You said you didn't uh, watch much too footy, so this will be uh, interesting. But any thoughts on how um, the Saints can turn their form around? <laughs> um, well, coming from a bloke who's just been delisted 
uh, and in a way that he wasn't appreciative of. I'm not against St Kilda not going that well. Um, so I don't actually mind. I haven't watched them yet this year because it's quite difficult to watch a team that you've just been kicked out of. So I'll just leave it that, you know, I think they've got enough bloody talent on that list to do whatever they want with it. And that's just, they can sort it out themselves. Oh, I'm not going to be offering any um, words of wisdom because A, no one's going to listen to it and B, I'm, I'm not really fussed with how they're going, to be honest. Yeah, fair enough. Um, this one's from Aussie One. Uh, not a question. He just wanted to say it was Devo when you got delisted. Hashtag robbed. Thanks. Yeah, I did. Um, there was it was a mixed bag of reactions when I got delisted, which was which was good. I had a lot of people telling me I was a spastic and that I deserved it, so that was nice. Obviously, reading those messages after you've been delisted is great. But then, yeah, I did have a couple of some diehard Saints fans that for some reason enjoyed how I went about football. So that was actually nice to know. <laughs> I still had some fans um, running around at St Kilda, which was good. Yeah, uh, this one's from Dan underscore Pratt, 85. Would you have another crack at the AFL? Oh, that's a good question. Um, look, honestly, if a club came and knocked on my door, then who knows? Like, why not? However, I just don't think, like I said, I just don't think. At, at 25, I'd have to be playing some ridiculously good football, and I, I'm 25 years old, feeling 40, and I'm, I'm loving I'm loving my time at the Waffle. So I'll never say no to anything, and you know, AFL lifestyle and and playing on the big stage is, is so fun, and having you know new mates and all that is good. But also starting a career and, and playing Waffle and and getting to know my teammates at Waffle level and, and stuff is is really good as well. So I'm actually at a lovely stage in my life where regardless of what happened with you know AFL or if it continues to be a waffle and working career, then I'm actually quite happy. So yep. either or, mate, to be honest. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in a position to be shutting any clubs down either. So, you know, if they come knocking, then I'm all ears. Yeah, good to, good to keep open. But this one comes from St Kilda FC Guernseys. Uh, what has been the hardest part of adjusting back to life after the AFL? And he also says, P.S. Loved you at the Saints, mate. Sad to see a bloke with such evident passion and drive go. There we go. Love that. Um, hardest thing is probably, yeah, so living any AFL environment, you go from knowing 44 blokes plus coaches and support staff and talking to so many people each day and being part of like a family kind of thing. Um, unfortunately, the, the natural reality of leaving a club or getting or my experience of getting delisted is that if you're not in the forefront of people's mind and they don't see you every day, you know, a lot of that communication drops off. And that's a hard thing that I think any AFL player experiences that you've gone from having 44 mates to... You know, I've gone from having 44 mates and a lot of people like communicating a lot, you know, via text or seeing them or coffees every day while I was on an AFL list to, you know, I pretty much keep in contact with two or three people from St Kilda and one from Collingwood. So that's probably the hardest thing is, and it's not that, you know, they hate you or um, that you, you know, your friendship was fake or anything. Because I think if you saw them face to face, you would still have those really good chats. It's more just that. You know, AFL players are busy. You get busy, and it just it just drifts away in that regard. So I think that's something that, and I've spoken to other people who have left clubs. That that's a really hard thing to wrap your head around. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Um, and just the last few last few ones. Uh, this one comes from Juzzy twenty three. Do you have a license for those guns? Uh, assuming I'm eating the muscles. Beautiful. I really needed that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So obviously. My, like I said, my recent love life struggles. I've I've been trying to smack the gym as much as possible because, like Blaine's 
um, noticed my hairline's dropping pretty quickly. So I thought, well, if I am ugly in that regard, I'll try and have a, a good bod for <laughs> for when I have to whip that out. So I do do a lot of extras in the gym, and the boys at the club rip on me because I'm, I'm working hard on it. But you know, I don't have a whole lot else going for me, unfortunately. So that that's you know, hopefully. A, and big arms and then a sense of humour will get me over the line somewhere. Yeah. Uh, this one's from Matt underscore private 08. Uh, you sort of touched on it before, but any chance of Harry joining us next year, meaning the Sharks and most annoying Sharks teammates? Um, yeah, so I'm going to work pretty hard on Harry coming to the club. Um, I'm not a big fan of him playing at Subi. I think it'd be, you know, if there's an opportunity to play with your brother, and we, we haven't ever played. We haven't played together since we were juniors. I think that'd be such a cool experience to have for a couple of years. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be working on him and, and getting Dottie at the club to, to be harassing him. And then most annoying teammate would probably like Jurak Tucker. If anyone's seen him, he's he was on Sydney's list for a year, but that kid is just dumb. Um, yeah, he's, he's really hard to talk to because the conversation just goes in any direction because he just can't handle it and. He came over my house the other day and was just trashing the place because you know he's he's young and naive and immature. And the other day he was going for a we had coffee in the morning and he was going for a job interview. And I said, oh well, what are you wearing? Because he was wearing like a t-shirt and Burks. And he said, oh no, I've got my stuff in the car. And then I said, oh well, have you got it ironed or is it ready? And he goes, no, 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 so no, don't worry about it. And I went to his car and his shirt was just chucked in the back and it was crinkled and disgusting. And so were his pants. So I had to drive him to my mum and dad's house and iron his bloody clothes for him and send him on his way, which was un- annoying. But actually, he got the job and, and he's working and he's doing really well. So at least I've helped him out in some yeah, regard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, last one again from Matt's underscore private 08. Did, uh, do you see any of the Sharks boys being picked up in the mid-season draft? Do I see any Sharks boys? Yeah, yeah, any of them, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, well, Luke Shavannik has been absolutely tearing the roof down and I think with a shortage of quality AFL Ruckman right now. I think there's a couple of teams that are, you know, struggling with that. I think that's a, a massive look in. Hugh Dixon from Frio's list is a freak. Um I hope that or I hope no one picks him up in the mid season because I'd like to play the rest of the season with him on a selfish note. But Hugh Dixon took six contested marks last week and as much as he didn't, you know, kick it back, he just dominated. Dylan Riley looks brilliant. Luke English from Richmond is a jet. Uh, seriously, if anyone wants a ready-made wingman or inside mid, they go for Josh Nolanfield. Like it's just we've got such a list. Um, but I think if there was ever ever one to go, it would maybe be Stranatica, just because you know good, tall, quality ruckmen are really hard to find. I think he's developed nicely into a, a superstar. But you know, then we've got some young boys coming up like Ruben McGuire is playing centre half back and pinch hits in the ruck with us, and he could be anything. And yeah, Tim Bachman does. You know, as a half forward does things that no one can do, and I think that's kind of potentially put him on radars before. And if he strings it together consistently, who knows? So we have got such a talented list that, like I'm saying, I hope for my selfish reasons that they they all get drafted at the end of the year, so we can see how far we can take it this year. But yeah, if anyone went and uh, went mid season, we'd be so wrapped for them. Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. But, uh, John, it's been really good to have you on. Um, I've really enjoyed it. And, yeah, good luck for the, the Sharks the rest of the year. We'll keep an eye out. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks very much.